What? I was going to sit. You guys were going to stand for once. Good morning, family. Merry Christmas. It's good to see all of you here this morning. Good to see our visitors as well. Please fill out one of those cards that's on the back of the pew in front of you so we have a record of your attendance. If you have your Bibles, you're going to want to spend the time this morning in Isaiah chapter 59. We're going to take a little bit break uh, from our series out of First and Second Peter this morning. Wanted to get through some announcements before we get into the lesson. If you haven't noticed in the foyer area, there's something new. There's a bulletin board back there. And it's what the elders are going to use to communicate letters of thanks, different information that they're wanting to get out. Encourage everybody to take a look at it as you're going through yeah, the foyer area. Of course, that means that you have to go back that way. I know some of you guys are set in your ways, and the north and south entrances are the only ways you come in and out. I'll ask you to change your routine for a little bit on occasion to get back there and see what information is on that board. Again, if you're waiting for the last moment to sign up for life groups or the Everyone Can Sing seminar, you have approximately 15 minutes after worship this morning to get your name on it. That's the deadline. We're going to start getting that groups put together, letters sent out, so that everyone knows whose group they're in and what they're going to be doing for that session. Wanted also to remind everyone, the elders have asked us to spend time with family tonight. There will be no evening services. They encourage us to spend time uh, in study and worship just as a family together in our homes. Uh, Next Sunday, though, we can be looking forward to a couple of things. First, hear me, hear me clearly, jambalaya. No, that's not next Sunday. That's the ninth. Well, BJ, make it twice. <laughs> next Sunday is youth-led Devo. Am I right about that? Okay. And then the ninth is the C4C uh, Gulf Coast Giveaway jambalaya feed, right? Okay. No payment is necessary. Donations appreciated, I think is how that's going. And finally, wanted to remind all of our deacons and coordinators that we are going to have a very brief 5 to 10 meeting in this back room this morning immediately following worship. So if you can make plans to just stick around for a few minutes, got a few things that need to be discussed. All right, Isaiah 59. I'm going to just let you take in the awesomeness of that picture for a second. One of my absolute favorite videos. It always pops up around this time of year is the video that is titled, What If Vader Replaced Santa? And it's a video of him in like this hut with a stormtrooper guard instead of an elf, and parents are bringing their kids in to sit on Vader's lap like they do with Santa. Okay, and it's hilarious in his interactions with them because he's trying to convert them to the naughty side. He wants them to be on the naughty side through all of this stuff. And through the course of the video, there's these funny interactions between Vader and the kids. And then finally, it's what do you want for Christmas? And so they tell him, and then he ends up just giving them gifts, like Obi-Wan's cloak or black socks or Luke's hand. These are the types of gifts that Vader is giving to these kids. It's hilarious when you look at it, but the tagline at the end of the video is Vader doesn't get Christmas. That he's a cheap knockoff compared to the real Santa Claus. And in an effort, I think that it really speaks to us because how often do we try and find cheap imitations of things just to save a buck? Right? Think about that for a second. Um, 
we, we will go to great lengths to find an imitation, then we pray that it's worthy of the real thing. So we'll buy things like Microsoft Benbows or the new style Ninja Tortoise or the Poly Station. And I think at times imitations are easy to notice, like the new style Ninja Tortoise, that one's kind of easy to notice that this is an imitation of, we know what this is imitating, right? I think everybody knows. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Okay. Where others are a little bit more difficult to actually identify that they're a cheap imitation, especially when you do a Google search for Franz Tromers. and see the toy line that they put out on that. And I think the reason that imitations are so popular is because we believe that we can't afford the real thing. You know, when I got out of the Marine Corps, uh, I thought that buying cheap was the way to go and that that was just how life was, just because that's basically the mantra of the United States Marine Corps is do things better with, the, with less equipment and cheaper equipment, right? So I got out of the Marine Corps, I have a pregnant wife, I have a daughter, I need a job, right? And there's only a couple of things that Jeremy's actually qualified to do in the real world based off of all of my years in the Marine Corps. I could join the mafia. I, I think I was qualified for that. I also had automatic weapons experience, so I could have joined the post office, which I ended up doing years later, but that's a story for another day. But anyway, I get out of the Marine Corps and I decide I really don't think I can handle a boss. So I need to actually just go to work for myself, be my own boss for a while, because I'm afraid that if I have an actual boss, that's going to be like stupid gas and crazy fire, and there's going to be an explosion there. So I end up going into construction and uh, talking, and I'm going to be a subcontractor through a general. He says, all right, this is what you need. Here's your tools. He gives me a big, long list. And so Jeremy runs down to the Home Depot, and he's like, wow, there is a huge selection of tools here varying in price. Well, what did I do? I bought all the cheapest tools I could find, okay? And I'm like, sweet, I'm ready to go. I'm a construction worker now. Until two days in the job, I had to go back to Home Depot and replace every single one of the tools that I had bought because all of those cheap ones had broken. And so I learned pretty quickly that there's some things that are worth the money. Oh, sorry, we're not supposed to be on special man yet. And here's a hint for you kids sitting down here. If you're going to make a living off of tools, don't buy cheap. You'll just end up disappointed. In most areas of our lives, when we buy cheap, we can learn from it. And we can get past it and we can move on. Again, we can get ourselves out of that problem when we purchase cheap. And I know that you guys have experienced that. We've all had that time when we decided to go cheap instead of actually buying quality. But there's an area in our lives where we cannot solve the problem ourselves. And Isaiah addresses this in chapter 59 of his book. Isaiah 59, starting in the first verse, he says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not so short that it cannot save, nor is his ear so dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. And so we, we get a, a picture that's being painted to us in the scripture that our sin 
has created a problem that we cannot fix or solve. We are, in fact, powerless to solve this problem. And it doesn't matter how hard we actually try to work, how hard we try to fix that problem on our own, the problem will remain. In fact, how many of us have noticed that when we try to fix the sin problem by ourselves, we end up in deeper trouble than what we were to begin with? We are powerless to fix that. And I think part of what Satan does to us is that we feel powerless and then we feel frustrated. And then he tempts us to try and find a way out of it, to find relief. That we will search and search and search for a way to redeem ourselves. And we, some might find that philosophy is their initial choice for trying to figure out where redemption is found. Or maybe some cheap form of religion to try and get ourselves out of the trouble that we got ourselves into. See, what we needed and what we need is a superman, right? But when we go about doing it ourselves, what we end up with is special man. And it doesn't work. And we find ourselves completely frustrated through all of it. Because special man's not quite the same as Superman, right? At five foot five and a hundred pounds, Audie Murphy was raised as a sharecropper in Texas. You guys familiar with the name Audie Murphy? Some of us are. He was orphaned as a child, and he enlists right after Pearl Harbor. He's turned down by the Navy and the Marine Corps, and the Army takes him. And during World War II, Audie Murphy will receive every combat award for valor that is available. Okay? Medal of Honor, where he took out a company of Germans and led a counterattack. The Distinguished Service Cross. He won two silver stars, two bronze stars, three purple hearts. Okay? So when it comes time to actually make a movie based on his autobiography, okay? They could have chosen a lot of different actors that were big at the time. Jimmy Stewart was huge at the time. Marlon Brando could have been chosen to play Audie Murphy in the movie. But really, who could play Audie Murphy in an Audie Murphy movie? The answer is Audie Murphy. Because when you're making a movie about that man's life, Casting someone else would be like casting Jack Black to play Chuck Norris. An imitation ain't going to work. Something else isn't going to work. God recognizes this, guys. When, when we're told in Isaiah 59, 1 and 2, that our sin has created a separation, that our sin has created a problem, God recognizes this. He acknowledges it. And then he says, if you jump down to the middle of verse 15, now the Lord saw saw everything that was going on. It was displeasing in his sight that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man and was astonished that there was no one to intercede. Then his own right arm brought salvation to him. Put your finger there. We're going to jump back over to Isaiah 52 real quick. Isaiah 52, when it says the Lord, verse 10, Lord has bared his holy arm in the sight of all the nations that all the ends of the earth may see the salvation of our God. Understand what the writer is meaning when he says that the Lord has bared his arm or that his own arm brought salvation to him. You guys ever heard the phrase, two tickets to the gun show? Right? Flexing is a sign of power. Real power. And so when God flexes, 
Real power is made known, okay? So in his acknowledgement and astonishment of man not being able to fix the problem, God flexes. He bears his arms. And it's his power that brings salvation. Notice whose power that is, okay? Because this is vital. Verse 17, he put on righteousness like a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head, and he put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself with zeal as a mantle. According to their deeds, so he will repay. Wrath to his adversaries, here's where the beauty comes in, recompense to his enemies, to the coastlands he will make recompense. They will fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. He will come like a rushing stream which the wind of the Lord drives, a redeemer will come to Zion and to those who turn from transgression in Jacob a redeemer is promised we can't solve the problem so God does as God looked down on his creation floundering around unable to help ourselves he did what needed to be done he came to us when our sin had separated us from him. And what does he offer us? Release and freedom. Release from the trouble that we had gotten into. Freedom to be who he would have us be. And I love the fact that God is not some bystander Right? There's the idea out there that God basically created this or set it in motion and he's just standing there watching and laughing at us that he doesn't really care about what's going on on this big ball floating through space. But Isaiah proves to us here that God is not some bystander who just hoped that mankind would get their act together. For one thing, God's too smart for that. Okay? He realizes we can't get our act together unless he steps in to provide the way out for this. And we see God proactively moving to provide, not a cheap knockoff, but the real deal. A redeemer who can pull us up out of our sin because there's only one person who has the power to do that. And that's God through his son, Jesus. He provides that son for us, which by the way, when we go to Hebrews chapter one, what does it say about the son? that he is the exact representation of God's being. That he is the one through whom this power is put on display. And I know that for many of us, the temptation today is to say, Jeremy, Christmas is done, we can move on. But I would submit to you that it should never end. That we should never forget the idea and the hope and the glory that is found in the incarnation. A lot of people are still thinking about Jesus right now. You know that, right? That's what most people in this world are talking about around this time of the year. But what are they talking about? What is the point of talking about Jesus and the incarnation during this time? 
when we need to be the ones leading the discussion on this, guys, because we have experienced powerlessness and frustration and saw God flex. And we experienced release. We experienced freedom. How did that happen? Through God becoming flesh. Being born. We do realize that there's no death without a birth. It's the whole picture that God presents to us. This is a good thing when people are focusing on Jesus. This is a good thing. But let's not forget why we're focusing on Jesus, why we're talking about Jesus. Why did Jesus come to this earth? He came to this earth because God looked down and saw that there was no one to save. There was no one to intercede. There was no one who had the power to redeem. He saw it. He took care of himself. He did that for me. He did that for you. He did that for us. But not just us. You know who else he did that for, right? The entire world world. Because the world can't do it. We can't do it. Don't let this idea that the celebration of the incarnation is only for one day out of the year. It's something that defines our entire existence. Because we live the redeemed life every day that God grants us breath. It humbles us to know that we needed that help, and he provided it. Let's be a people that live a life the way that God's calling us to be, a recognition of how powerless we are, but in our powerlessness, God shows his strength and might, his grace, his justice, his mercy, all of his character through us to the world that we find ourselves walking, living, and working in. To be the light that the darkness needs. Because just like God, when he looked out, and listen, I know that we've done this, where we've looked out at society and gone, I can't believe how horrible things have gotten. If only someone would stand up to do something. What do you think God's looking at us saying? Did he not set that example? Do we recognize that God has enough faith in us to know that we can be the one that stands? Because I think that he does. I think the problem is we don't have enough faith in ourselves. Let's be a people of faith, not just in this ethereal idea of faith, but a people of of faith who actually put that faith into action, recognizing what God has done for us, and in turn, he is doing for people through us. It's who he's calling us to be. Let's be that people. Are we ready to do it? I am. I am. Brian's got a song for us. His grace reaches me. What a fantastic song, because each of us, as we sing that, recognize the grace that was extended out to us through Jesus. 
those of us that have obeyed the gospel and recognized the truth of the fact that we had put ourselves in a powerless position and God raises us up out of that by us humbling ourselves, putting the old self to death, being buried in the waters of baptism and raised a new creature. And we experience grace. We're introduced to grace right there. And we continue to experience it day by day. But maybe you've just never been introduced to grace. God's waiting to introduce you. Make the confession of Jesus. Be baptized. Be added to the kingdom. Perhaps you're a member of the family here struggling with the concepts of actually living out the life that Jesus is calling you to live. You need prayers. You need counsel. You need encouragement. The elders are here for you. The body is here for you. Whatever it is that you need this morning, we encourage you to make it known by coming forward while we stand and sing.